So for the next two to three minutes, I just want you guys to just think and pray. If there's something that really caught your attention in his story, um, it's not because he's just a good speaker. It's probably because the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention. Um, Like he's using him to talk to you. So um, I want you guys to think about that. And then if you have questions for him, um, there's a lot of things that he went through that he just didn't have time to get um, talked about in his, in his talk, but we're, he's open to answer a lot of those. A whole lot of time, so we'll try to get through as many as we can here. How about this one? It says, if you could change anything, would you? Or would you go about things the same way since the journey is what brought you to God? That's a good question. If I could change, I would change when it happened. So obviously God had time for me and his plan was set for me before I was born. But if I could change, I'd go back to high school and be able to make the transition sooner and be able to have the relationship I have with him now before I went through high school sports and be able to have a better impact while in high school rather than just kind of pretend, I guess. i got a decent amount of questions that says, in what ways do you keep connected to the Lord consistently now? Like, what is a, what is the relationship with the Lord look like in Pete's life now? You've got to read your Bible. It's, there's no substitute for it. That's God's Word, and if you want to have Him speak to you, you've got to read it. Um, just while I was this week preparing to do this, there's about three, four verses that directly coordinated to what I was doing. And so God speaks to you through your Bible. You want to hear from him, be connected to him, read your Bible daily. Here's a good one. Uh, what was it like having to go through all of those difficult issues? So that could be anything from that to breaking your leg or whatever. Um, well, going through high school... Uh, the most difficult one was probably like a pornography addiction. I got into it in junior high and through high school. I mean, you get through in the locker room stuff, it becomes almost normal. People tell you it's normal. And I think that's just what people try to say to make it okay because they know they don't truly feel good about it. Um, no one does it their first time and then feels good about it. You end up getting an addiction, and that's all it is. And then you have to fight through the addiction. So um, going through that and knowing it wasn't right but not being able to beat it kind of tore me up. And then so, um, it was just hard. Felt lonely, felt dirty a lot, um, along with the fact that I felt like I was pretending some, not really feeling like I had the connection that I would tell people I did with the Lord. So just feeling like I was kind of fake, I guess, is probably one of the struggles of it. Um, so it definitely wasn't fun, but I hit it and made it put a lot of weight on my shoulders I didn't need. I have a lot of questions, a lot of repeats of do you, what is your advice or what are some things that maybe you implemented in your life to get through that pornography addiction? Um, one of the things that happened is I actually went to a men's study and they talked about how to beat it, but you gotta, you got to confess it to somebody. Somebody's got to know so they can hold you accountable. And then personally, one of the things that I did is my struggles came basically right before bed when I was in my room by myself. So I made that my Jesus time. When I sat down, I would read my Bible, and that would be the last thing I went 
I did before bed. I took the time that I struggled the most, and I filled it with what would help keep me out of it. Um, so if I could give you any advice, I would say find somebody worthwhile, trustworthy. You got to confess it. You got to check in with them daily. And then the biggest thing I can tell you is read your Bible. Your Bible tells you how to fix it. Um, there's things online that will tell you what verses to read and programs you can go through, but your Bible will help fix almost everything. It tells you there's instructions in there how to do it. Yeah, um, I was just going to add a little bit to that. You guys might know, maybe don't know, um, there are really good applications for your phone. Like one is called Covenant Eyes that you download, and it keeps, you have an accountability partner that um, it will take screenshots of your phone if it thinks it's something that you're not supposed to be looking at, and then sends it to your accountability partner. So every day they get a report that says um, they've been on these websites, um, and this one looks risky, and then you get to have that conversation. So it's like you can't get around it. It's, it's a, a good way to start because if it's just like, man, I'm just going to try to fight this myself and just get through this, it's a good way to open up to somebody else and be like, man, I want to get through this, but I need help. Um, so could, would you be my accountability partner? And it, it does cost a little bit of money, but if anybody wants to do that, um, I'd put up the money for you. Uh, no problem. So I uh, just wanted to add that. Um, along with that is it's not so much as you're pursuing, I just want to beat my pornography addiction. The, the way you do that is if you pursue Jesus and you find that relationship, those things will start to change. You'll start to see yourself change. You won't have to just be like, I'm beating porn. No, it's I'm building a relationship with Jesus. And by doing that, those things start to fade. That desire for those things start to fade. It's not just that. It's how I look at women. It's how I look at the lady walking down the street. It's everything. And when you find that relationship, all those things start to change, your mindset, your thoughts, everything. Here's a, a, a pretty good one is you haven't gone back to college yet, but um, like when any of these guys go back to college, what are some things that would help them grow in their relationship with Christ once they get to that college setting? When you go to college, you get to reset. It's a reset button. And if I, going back to the question about what I could change, is I wish I'd changed the guys I hung out with a little bit. Um, but you got to choose your friends very wisely because when you get to college, you have freedom, and that freedom will go one or two ways. You'll grow or you'll go backwards. You can't sit still, and the people you hang out with are going to be who you relate to and who you act like. Um, along with that, with breaking my leg, I truly believe God did that to keep me home away from my friends because the kids I hung out with at school weren't the best influences. And so I fully believe God broke my leg, and I stayed home and grew. And now when I go back, I can make better decisions. I truly believe that. And so choose your friends wisely now and when you go to school. Here's a, uh, a not spiritual question, but um, not everybody knows how you broke your leg. Do you want to give a, like a quick summary of how that happened and what all happened? Um, well, I shingle for a job for two years, and... At the end of this last summer, I slipped and fell two stories off of a roof and compound fractured my right, my fibula and tibia in my right leg. Um, after doing so, I was flown to Kearney and had four surgeries and 19 days in the hospital to put it back together, um, during which it was ups and downs because it was, um, if you do know me, I hate sitting still and it drove me nuts to be in the hospital. 
But during that time is one of the times where I grew spiritually a lot because I was forced to just sit there and I could either watch TV or read my Bible. So sometimes God likes to put you through stuff in order to force you to grow. I like it. I like it. Um, what is the best advice you would give to a high school uh, a high schooler that's in a relationship? Um, there's some really good things online. Uh, there's a pastor who I think is out of Oklahoma, but he does a series called Relationship Goals. Um, I went through that, and in the back of my journal, I actually have written that one of the things I have to do before I get into another one is rewatch it because it maps out how a godly relationship should work. Um, if you are in one, I, if I could go back, you need to set boundaries better. Um, and you need to write them down. It can't just be a verbal. You need to write your boundaries down on what's too far and what's not because otherwise you're going to be forced to cross them. And then for being in high school, I would suggest that you don't even do things by yourself or with that, do things in a group. If I could go back, I would only do things in a group because it would keep you out of the situations where you make things, make mistakes. Uh, what, what do you think gave you the courage to admit with your uh, struggle in pornography? Um, one of the biggest things was, is like I said, I went to that men's study, and we were talking about some of the things, simple things we wanted to confess, and I was in my mind going, I need to say this, I need to say this. Um, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to be the person who said it. But the guy sitting next to me said it first. And then after that, after he said it, it was easy for me to say it too. Um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to speak tonight. I want to make it easier for you guys because statistics say there's many of you in here struggling with the same things. So I want to be the one who makes it easier for you. Um, here's one I can probably uh, take real quick. Is You might be lost if you don't know what a porn addiction is, and we're talking about it. <laughs> uh, one of these is, what is a porn addiction? Um, that is when you come across anything on the Internet that has um, sexualized material. It's usually somebody that's naked or various other things that go far beyond um, just pictures. So it's, it's very dangerous now because it seems like all of you have access with your phones, with data, um, with uh, being able to access that at any point. Like when I was younger, if you wanted to view that stuff, you had to go to like the local gas station and go buy it and, and somehow get it home and do all that. But you guys all have that at your fingertips. So if you think about, um, you know, just the reality of how easy it is to access that stuff, that's when we need to put in these, these safeguards to be able to, to be accountable to somebody or to have an app that helps us through that um, because it is kind of like a loaded gun. So that's uh, the pornography addiction. Um, you can't control it. Once you start it, it builds and builds. You're either fighting it and you're trying to beat it or you're just going deeper and deeper into it. And the longer you, the longer you let it happen, the longer you, deeper you get into it, the harder it's going to be to get out. So if you fell into it, you need to get out of it quicker. It'll be easier. It's just like every other addiction. The longer you're in it, the harder it is to overcome it. Here's a good one. Uh, I got a decent amount of questions that said, how did you know um, to go and talk to your coach? Like it just, yeah. That how do you know question was one of my biggest ones. And as I went through, because I was hearing everything about Jesus and people would talk about having their moment where they just know, and I can't explain it. 
I can't explain why I was supposed to go talk to Coach Carver. Like I said, he's not even my really, really my coach. But Coach Carver is a track coach, and I, had, I went to York for a baseball visit, and he heard about I'd done track and I'd done wrestling. He wanted me to do the, the decathlon. And the first time I visited, I actually avoided him. I didn't even have the meeting with him. And then I visited the second time and took my parents with me, and he convinced me to meet with him and just talk to him. And um, we talked about doing the decathlon. He just talked to me and then didn't talk to him a single time again. Went to school that next year and maybe would say hi to him if I saw him in the weight room. But I can't explain it. That's God told me. I don't know why, but that's what I needed. And for some reason, it just felt like I was supposed to go talk to him, and I did. Um, God puts those things in your heart, and I just heard something the other day, and it's, God talks about if you don't listen to the little things, how do you expect God to do the big things? I mean, he's just going to put these little things in your head, and you kind of have a choice. I could have not texted him. I could still be in the same person. I could be a totally different person. But I finally listened and gave in, and it's just built and built and built. Awesome. Okay, so um, he's going to go over a little bit of Scripture. I think you hammered through most of these, so that was awesome. Um, but go through a little scripture that God put on your heart to share with us, and then I'll close this in um, some prayer. Um, as I studied this week and got ready to do this, this was the I was going through Second Corinthians, and these are the verses that I read this week on my daily devotional, and so I just want to share some of them. Second um, Corinthians seven eight through, I believe it's just eight through ten. And it's kind of a, it's Paul talking to the church, but he's talking about the letter he wrote them. But I am not sorry that I sent you that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was that kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you, you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results, results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. God's going to put you through hardships. And it's through the, like I said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Most of you probably won't find God for real until you get to a low point. He works when you're at your lowest because you finally see a need for the God who controls your life. But when you're going through a hardship, it's not God punishing you. Sometimes it's God breaking you down so you finally realize that you need him. Also, from 2 Corinthians, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and whenever the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God and the and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we change into his glorious image. Don't feel like you have to fix your sin before you go to the Lord. When you go to him, things will start to change naturally. It'll just happen. I can't explain it. But when you build that relationship, you'll start to just see your sin. You'll have a desire to go to him more than you have a desire to sin. Like with the porn, your, your desire for the Lord will overcome the desire for pornography. It will overcome the desire for the alcohol, to overcome all of those. It's not so much that you just get this willpower where you just can beat everything. It's not you. It's not me that beat the addiction. It's the fact that God entered my life and gave me a purpose to be bigger and better.
And then the last thing I want to share um, actually comes from Luke, just above where you guys went over in small groups. And it's Luke 15, but it's the parable of the lost sheep. So, Jesus told him this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. God desires you, and when he finds you, he will rejoice. For you specifically, he wants everyone in here. He wants your heart. He wants to love you, you specifically. He cares about each and every one of you individually. Awesome. Uh, What's really neat about uh, Trevor's story is I get to see Trevor grow up from a little guy. I used to be a lot bigger than you now. We're about the same size, so um, that wasn't funny. <laughs> uh, but it, what's cool is is I got to watch him grow up, um, and like he said, it, he was the good kid. He he answered a lot of the questions in youth group, um, and I enjoyed being around him. Uh, and I've got to see his his heart grow and his uh, seeing him after the the leg break and how um, God just grabbed a hold of his heart was so amazing. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a real story. It's a real person. Um, and I just pray that God is opening your guys' hearts to whatever he just talked about. So, 